All right, hello, my friends. Hello, 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 my friends. Good to see all of you. It's so good to be back. Uh, I love my job. I, I just love Tuesday nights. I, I love being together. I was just remarking up here, have you noticed how every Tuesday night it gets a little louder and a little louder and a little louder as, as we're moving through things? Um, so welcome back, everybody. You know, that reminds me, I'm going to stop. I'm going to start at the end since we're talking about being, I should have put this right at the front, but check out this, would you, right here? Take a look at this. Let's talk about an end of the year party, shall we? Uh, so what, what are we on? Unit 33, which means we have 34, 35, 36. We have three units left after tonight, and then you will officially be Roman scholars. Just, you might want to get a badge or something. I'm a Roman scholar. People will think you're talking about ancient Rome. They won't even know that we're talking about the Bible, right? But a toga, that would be even better. Okay, let's make this an end of the year toga party. Bad idea. Bad, bad, bad. <laughs> Some of you I do not want to see in a toga is all I'm saying. That right? So end of the year party. So we have these three units left. So Tuesday, May 30th, right? You can mark this on your calendar. We're going to have our end of the year party. And um, so we're going to have a six o'clock potluck. So we'll start an hour earlier, right? So we can have our dinner sort of thing. And well, you know, potlucks, we know how to do potlucks. So everybody will bring some good stuff. I'll bring a sign up for us next uh, week that we can all kind of sign up and give a thought towards what we're going to bring so we make sure we don't have all desserts, which wouldn't be bad, right? Right. So anyway, we have our potluck at 6 o'clock, and then at 6.45 we'll have our final exam. Just kidding. We'll have our fun and games. But I'm going to try and build some uh, some kind of fun and games into just like a re Romans review. We'll just kind of chat about some of the things that we learned. And there'll be fun prizes and things like that. Right? So we'll just have some fun. Uh, and then I want to make sure we're all out of here by midnight. This place shuts down at midnight. So that's when we're, that's when you're going home. Right? Uh, we'll have uh, we'll have all kinds of taxis and Ubers to get you a ride home, but midnight we're shutting her down. All right, that's that's where we're going to end. So you might want to make a note, put it on your calendar. Our end of the year party. Uh, we should try and think of something fun that we can do to involve our our online folks too. What can we do for them? We'll have a little brainstorm how we can in, uh, involve them somehow. Maybe we can do like a Zoom and get them on screen or something, or I don't know, we'll do something. Uh, it will be our end of the year Romans trivia game, and we'll have like teams competing online with us too, maybe. Ooh, how's that sound? No, you don't like that? Oh, you gotta learn a little something as we're having fun too, that's the plan. All right, so make note of that, that's gonna be fun, don't you think? All right, now let me get back to the where I need to be. Yes. Well, did togas count? Are you asking if we're going to roll out the barrel? Is that kind of what the word is? Root beer is very fine. <clears throat> I have no idea what snuck into the punch. If that's something that you think fits into the, what we've learned together in Romans, well, we'll see. Yeah, right. 
Yep. All right. All right. So welcome, everybody. I'm glad we're here. We can celebrate. Uh, we are close, close, close to ending our time in Romans. And, uh, you know, remember when we started looking at that outline of things, we said we're going to do a lot of doctrine and theology in the beginning. Boy, we did. And we said we're going to end on a very practical note as Paul takes all of that theology and says, all right, now you know what who God is and what he's done for you. And you know what it means to be a follower. So how do you apply it in your life? Well, today we get another real practical section from Romans 14 about how to accept one another. So that will be fun, won't it? Talking about that, uh, how we uh, are led by God to accept one another as Christ has first accepted us. So we'll look at these uh, 13 chapter or 13 verses of Romans 14. Unless some of you actually accidentally did the wrong unit ahead of time. Hint, hint, somebody I know. Some anxious beaver did the whole next unit already. So, um, but we are on Romans 14 today. I'm just saying. All right. So let's have a word of prayer, my friends, and we'll dig into God's beautiful word. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for bringing us together, whether we're here in person, whether we're online, whether we're live or whether we're watching it days or weeks afterwards. God, it is good to be in your word. And it's just um, amazing that this word we study is a living word that it can work in the present. It can work in the future. It can work here, there, or everywhere. Uh, it's just this beautiful word that we study. We're so grateful and thankful for it. And again, uh, today we pray it would open our hearts and minds, especially as you're going to really challenge us in the word to learn how to accept people that might even disagree with us. How do we do that, God? How do we live together in the body of Christ when there's so many different parts and so many different ideas and so many different uh, understandings and hopes and dreams. How can we all live together and accept one another? So we're thankful that you're going to show us in the word today. And we pray that we'd be able not just to hear it, but we'd be able to practice it in our lives, uh, in our homes and in our world. So bless us as we learn and grow together in your beautiful word. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Yes. Um, I'm very close to bringing you a ballot that we're going to vote on. He asked, what's next? So I've got three ideas that I'm kind of tossing around right now. And so my goal, my plan is to bring it to you and you're all going to kind of put a vote uh, and we'll see how it shakes out. Okay. So there is something planned. Don't worry. All right. So Romans 14, uh, I'm going to read these 13 verses for you first, and then we'll get into it a little bit. We'll get our scalpels out, as I like to say, and we'll uh, dig into it a little deeper. So uh, my NIV Bible titles this section, The Weak and the Strong. Kind of sounds like a good soap opera, doesn't it? The Weak and the Strong. St. Paul said, Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Blech. That's not in the Bible, by the way. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special 
does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother, or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat, as it is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. This is the word of the Lord. All right, let's look at this word of the Lord. So today we're going to learn how to, degree, to disagree agreeably while accepting each other in the Lord. Say that fast, quickly, three times in a row. Agree to disagree agreeably <laughs> while accepting each other in the Lord. Uh, this is just an important uh, gift that God is going to give to his church, the body of Christ. The ability to be different parts, to have different ideas and different thoughts and still not kill each other and still love each other and still work together and still be and function as the body of Christ, right? This is really what this whole section is about. And why? Why was this important to St. Paul? Because Jesus himself said this. He said, I pray that the church will be one. That is just a powerful statement. What is Jesus' desire for the church? The church at large, the church local, you know, fake Lutheran church, each and every one of us, what's his desire? That we might truly be one. It means we're not divided. It means we're not arguing. That means we're not fighting. That means we're not competing with one another. It means we are one in mind, in purpose. And uh, we'll talk about what that looks like as we move on. So it is certainly the will of Jesus that we learn how to disagree agreeably and accept one another. Also, ten times, ten times in the first five chapters of the book of Acts, it says they were of one accord and they were unified. We hear that phrase or a variant of that phrase ten separate times in just the first five chapters of Acts. And if you know anything about the beginning of the book of Acts, it was the beginning of the Christian church. It was the foundation, the, the, the roots and the expansion of the Christian church in those first five uh, chapters is remarkable. Now, do you think it's a coincidence that the reason the church grew, that the reason the church expanded, that uh, the reason that it did so well, because it was built on this foundation of oneness. That's why I believe that we will have the power of the New Testament church when we have the unity of the New Testament church. Right? This is our goal. You know, that uh, once we have unity in the church, that's when the church functions at its ultimate best. So when we're bickering with one another, when we're fighting with one another, when the world sees denominations in the Christian church that just don't play nice, that they fight against one another, you know, what does that do for the message of the church? 
What does that do for the purpose of the church? And, and I'm not just talking church now. Let's talk about individually because the church is people, right? Individuals. Here's the church. Here's a steeple. Open the door and see all the people, right? So what is it? What is it about the people? If we're bickering, if we're fighting, if we can't get along, if we don't treat each other decently, what witness does that give to the world? How can the church grow? Who'd want to be a part of that? There is enough bickering in the world. Right? The church is the place where we don't come together to bicker, but we come together to love and to accept and to disagree agreeably. Right? But how many of you think that's an easy task? Not easy at all. We need some instruction. Luckily, we have Romans 14. However, have you noticed that not all Christians are alike? Not even here at Faith Lutheran Church? Do we always get along? Do we always agree? Are we always alike? Do we always have the same opinions? No, we do not. Did you know that the Bible is very clear about some issues, crystal clear, but it's unclear about others? Right? Are you okay with that? I mean, we say the Bible tells us everything that we need to know, but it doesn't tell us everything there is to know. You know what I mean by that? Not every single answer is in the Bible. There's some stuff that's just unclear. There's some stuff that's left unanswered. There's some things that I really don't think God cares about. Like if you get up in the morning and you put on a blue shirt, does that ruin God's whole day because he wanted you to wear the gray shirt? Do you think God's like, oh, no, i got to look at that blue shirt all day? Do you think that's the way it works? See, some things God just doesn't care about. Some things he gives us free will to choose, and he's okay with that. But sometimes we're not okay with that. The blue shirt people start to fight against the gray shirt people. And before you know it, there's a gray shirt Monday group, and there's a blue shirt Tuesday group. You know what I'm saying? And then we start to say, I think God would want us to wear a blue shirt. And then the other says, no, I think God would want us to wear a gray shirt. So we can't worship in the same place. We need to have two separate churches across the street from one another. And one is a blue church and one is a gray church. Do you see how this works? And God is up in heaven going, what on earth is going on down there? He just doesn't care about some things. Are you all with me on this? Right? So... When it is unclear, St. Paul had a word for that. Things that don't matter, that God doesn't really care about. He called this disputable matters, right? Romans 14, verse 1. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. That's St. Paul's word. It's really one word, disputable matters. It's translated into these two things, but you can see it's dialogosmos. So it comes from the word dialogue. We get our English word dialogue from this disputable matters word. Do you understand dialogue? When we, come, when we have a conversation about things that we disagree on, it's a back and forth reasoning that's self-based and therefore confused, especially as it contributes to reinforcing others in discussion to remain in their initial prejudice. That's the definition I got out of a book for, for disputable matters. Really, what does that mean to me? It means things that we argue about that really don't matter, but we want you to we want people to agree with us anyway. That's the Dan definition. Things that we argue about that really don't matter, but we want people to agree with us anyway. That's a disputable matter. So St. Paul says it's okay to disagree 
It's okay to accept someone in these disputable matters. We have another word for that that we use. We call it adiaphora. That's a Latin. comes from the Latin word adiaphora. And that's a matter that's not regarded as essential to faith, but nevertheless is permissible for Christians. Right? The funny part about adiaphora is one man's adiaphora is another man's sacred cow, if you know what I mean. It's hard, to, it's hard to define what really is essential and what isn't essential. In fact, you could argue that the entire Reformation in the 1500s was about adiaphora. What is essential and what isn't essential? The big argument was a lot. Uh, Melanchthon wrote a whole book about adiaphora. What is and isn't allowed? What is and isn't essential? So there's another word for this, adiaphora. So let's just start. <laughs> We're going to talk about disputable men. We're going to talk about accepting one another, right? We want to be clear that St. Paul didn't say, accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on the important things. He didn't say that. There are some things that are essential that we dare not compromise on, that it's not okay to disagree on. Things like salvation comes from Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Not from Buddha, you know, not from Muhammad, not from worshiping a tree out in the forest. You know, salvation is in Christ and Christ alone. That's, that's not, that's an essential doctrine. You know, these sort of things, they're, they're essential things that we dare not disagree on. We must have unity on. But then there are these disputable matters these adiaphora sort of things that it is okay to have different opinions on. We're going to narrow that down and whittle that down a little bit as we move. But again, just so you know, you hear me saying, I'm not making this stuff up. Where did that word disputable matters come from? Romans 14 verse 1. St. Paul said it, we need to accept one another when it's about disputable matters. And reading between the lines, when do we not accept one another? When it's not a disputable matter, when it's essential, then we must have unity. All good? All right, so what are then disputable matters? See, here's my thought. A disputable matter is an issue where the Bible is silent or it doesn't give a clear principle. Disputable matters when there's not a choice between right or wrong. Disputable matters when it's a matter of personal preference. Disputable matters when it's neither commanded nor forbidden in the Scriptures. Anything that falls into those categories is something we can disagree on, something that we can have a different opinion about, and it doesn't separate us from the body of Christ. It doesn't. Uh, so some examples, <clears throat> confirmation versus baptism. You know, baptism is clearly talked about in the scriptures, right? Baptism is not an adiaphora. It's not a disputable matter. Confirmation, did you know, is never commanded in the Bible? This thing we do and practice in love as Lutherans confirmation, it's a great thing, but it's not commanded in the Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible where you'll find a confirmation, right? Right? So we do that, but if someone doesn't practice confirmation in eighth grade and wear a red gown, a white gown with a red flower, does that mean that we can't have fellowship with them? Does that mean that, that there's something wrong with them? <laughs> no, it's it's a disputable matter. It's not commanded. It's not forbidden. It's adiaphora. Another example is traditional versus contemporary worship. Does the Bible say that one is commanded and the other is forbidden? 
It does not. Everybody look at me and say, it does not. <laughs> so you may like one more than the other. You may have a strong preference for one over the other, and that's okay. But if someone doesn't agree with you, that doesn't mean we can't love one another, accept one another, have fellowship with one another. It's a disputable matter. Make sense? All right. So, And now here's my time to do a shame, shameless plug. How about church expansion projects? Could that be a disputable matter? For example, if a church was happened to be celebrating its 75th anniversary, which we are see coming up on next February, uh, this milestone would allow said church celebrating its 75th anniversary to have a special celebration. And to think about the blessings of 75 years past and looking forward to being prepared for 75 more years of blessing. And what would that look like for said church? Perhaps there would be some projects and buildings that they would need to do to get ready for the next 75 years. Maybe this said church, hypothetical church, maybe in this hypothetical city called Appleton, right? This church would want to do some things to, to take care and maintain the buildings that already exist, to give the old girl a facelift, right? To, to, to give the old boy a facelift. That's really what I meant to say. I don't know. It's, see, now you're kicking me out of fellowship. This is exactly what we're talking about. Man, rough crowd. Maybe we'd want to put a new roof on the building. Maybe we'd want to put some new parking lots in. Maybe the floor in said church that some people would come on Tuesday nights to study that was made out of tile would be asbestos and would need to be removed so new tiles could take its place. Hypothetically, if that were the case, it might look something like this. So just take a look at this. This uh, I'm done teasing now. You know we're getting ready in our voters meeting in two weeks from now to pass a capital, to vote on putting forward a capital campaign where if you add all these things together, there's about $4 million worth of needs for our congregation here at Faith. And so as we look at this list, I have already heard many of you with opinions about what we do and don't need to do, right? Many of you have priorities. Some of you think some of this is much more important than other of these things, right? And so my thought is, as we're talking about this, is this a disputable matter or is this an essential matter? <laughs> this is a dispensable, uh, disputable matter. We can disagree on what we think is important. We can disagree about how we prioritize these things. That's not going to stop us from loving each other. That's not going to stop us from being the body of Christ. I believe that we can work through this together. We can pray about this together and we can prioritize this. And maybe at the end, it doesn't turn out the way you want it to. But guess what? You're still going to love it and support it because you're a part of the body of Christ here at this place. You see how this works. Disputable matters are way different than the essential matters. So, by the way, you'll see this again on May 15th when we gather together for our annual congregational meeting. All right, so in St. Paul's day, as he's writing these words, what were his disputable matters? You know, what are the things that they were arguing about? You heard two of the three things here in Romans that were big. For St. Paul, these three things in all of his writings that come up again and again are these three D words, diet, days, and drink. 
right? For him, this was always what people were arguing about and people were taking sides and people were willing to fight about whether we should, what we, what it is that a Christian should eat, what it is that a Christian should drink, and when it is that a Christian should worship, right? So this comes up again and again. And you heard this in our reading, people talking about diet, some eat meat, some eat vegetables, people talking about what day to worship, you know, uh, holy days, not holy days, Saturday or Sunday. That was Paul's issue. How about us in our LCMS, our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod? As a church, do we have any disputable issues that we debate about? I always talk about wine, women, and song. That's our synod's thing, right? We, we talk about Holy Communion. Like right now, there's a huge debate in our church about whether or not it's appropriate to have in-home communion. Do you know for folks that are worshiping with us online and you can have their little communion packs? Here at Faith, we practice that. We think that's a very faithful exposition of the scriptures of what Jesus meant for the holy for the for the bread and wine and the distribution of it. But there are many who think that's not the case. You know, so the whole battle of that and also who's welcome to come to the table or not, you know, still on the books for our Lutheran Church Missouri Synod to have communion in our church, you need to be a member of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. You know, we, we um, oftentimes will talk about the Wells, and you went to a Wells church and you couldn't take communion there because you weren't a Wells member. Well, guess what? That's still the official policy of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, too. Not all churches practice that like faith. You know, we, we have a more open view of Holy Communion than that, but still in the books. So we're, we argue about wine, communion, how we're to administer that, who is it for, who's, who is worthy to receive it or not. Do you have to sit in the church? Could you be like in the commons? Does that count? What if you were like outside on the front sidewalk? Is that close enough? What if you were across the street in your house? Does that count? What if you're in California? Does that count? See, so we're arguing about wine. We're still arguing about women, the role of women in the church, whether women can be pastors, whether women can serve, what women can and can't do. Uh, and song, which kind of worship is best? Traditional, contemporary, do we need to stick to the old hymns or the new hymns, the new songs, any good? So, see, we've still got our disputable matters, just like St. Paul did. For them, it was diet days and drink. For us, it's wine, women, and song. Sounds like we're having a lot more fun, doesn't it? I don't know. <laughs> so, what is the solution then? Every culture, every time, every people has disputable things. So, what's the solution? St. Paul said it in verse 1, accept him whose faith is weak. That's what he said. His own words, accept him whose faith is weak. And then verse 3, for God has already accepted him. So we need to talk about what does it mean to accept. Here's the revised Taves version of this verse. Where two or three are gathered, there will be a difference of opinion. <laughs> and we must accept each other. This is what St. Saint, Saint Paul is saying. There's going to be differences, so we need to accept each other. I would wonder if you'd like to see my email sometime. Just the nicest people in the world in our, in our congregation. Everyone is so kind. It's like, Pastor Dan, we sure love Faith Lutheran Church, and you are such an awesome pastor. We just think you're the greatest. By the way, it's too cold in church. <laughs> would you please turn up the temperature? And then the next email, Pastor Dan. We sure love it here at Faith Church. And that Pastor Aaron, he can really preach. But would you please turn down the heat? It's too hot in church. 
Pastor Dan, this is sure a great church, but those babies make a lot of noise. Can't we get them to sit in the back of church? Pastor Dan, I sure love this church, but I wish we had more babies. <laughs> Do you see where I'm going with this? We have 4,000 members here in our church. That means we have 4,000 opinions about what's right and how we should do things and how things should roll in the church, right? So, see, the solution then is not to start kicking people out, but we need to accept one another in spite of our differences in disputable matters. Not essential things. There we don't budge. But disp uh, disputable matters, we talk. So what does it mean to accept each other? Here's my definition of this, right? It means to welcome people, even if they're different, think different. It means to receive them. It means to not exclude them. It means to make them feel comfortable. It means to not reject them. It means to be nice to them, even if they disagree with us. All right? That's what it means to accept one another. I don't really think it's accepting of someone who agrees with you on everything. Right? You're not accepting them. You're just like rowing together in the same boat. Right? To accept someone that's different than you, that's what St. Paul is talking about, to do these things even when they disagree. So how do we do that? St. Paul is going to give us three ways that we accept one another. So we'll talk about each one of these three things here in a second. He's going to say we accept one another by not labeling each other. He's going to say we accept one another by not judging one another. And he's going to say we accept one another by not trying to change each other. Is this going to be fun or what? <laughs> Let's look at the first one, by not labeling. He said, accept him who is weak in the faith without passing judgment on disputable matters. I believe that name calling is the lowest form of judgmentalism. Right? When we start name calling, when we start, you know, labeling people and saying, well, that person's a conservative. That person's a liberal. That's one of those contemporary worship people. That's, you know, we start labeling people like that. The danger of that is we quickly move into, into stereotyping. And our world loves to label, and our world loves to stereotype. And before you know it, everyone's got a label, and everyone's got a stereotype. And then we start calling names, and then we start putting down, then we start acting superior. And before you know it, instead of accepting, we're judging and we're dividing. Do you see how easy we slide into that? Right? With It starts with this labeling people. It moves into stereotyping, which, which then moves into judgmentalism. So um, look at this. He says, accept him who is weak. So I really want to talk with you then about what it means to be weak and strong. He talks about two, and this really blew my mind when I really started thinking about this, because it's just the opposite of the way I thought, right? So he says, weak and strong people, weak in the faith. So let's just be clear. When he says, accept him who's weak in the faith, we've already talked about this in our Romans class. We use the word faith in two ways. We can talk about saving faith. And we can talk about living faith. Remember this discussion, everybody? Here's one of those times where you just nod your head and say, yes, I remember that. You make me feel so much better. This is coming up on the test in three weeks. I mean, at our party in three weeks. Saving faith and living faith. What's the difference? Saving faith is an all or nothing thing. You don't have some faith. You don't have some saving faith. 
You don't have more. Some of you don't have more saving faith than others. You either have it or you don't. It's a gift of God. When does saving faith come to us? The moment we're baptized. As soon as we're baptized, the gift of saving faith in its completeness is given to each and every one of us. That's saving faith. Living faith, though, right, is how do you live out your faith in the world, in your trust, in your confidence in God. And that is always growing, isn't it? Our living faith is always in a state of maturing, I hope, instead of dying. It's either doing one of those two things. It's either dying or it's growing. There's no status quo when it comes to living faith. So here, St. Paul is definitely not talking about saving faith. right? He's not talking about how we're saved by grace through faith. That's not it. This is about living faith. And he says some people have strong living faith and some people have weak living faith. Well, now that we understand that, <laughs> strong faith, are those who are free to do anything that's not prohibited in the Bible. Their faith is so strong and confident in God that they can see all of the options, all of the disputable matters, and they can live in any of that and not feel like they have to lock themselves into one way and everybody else better agree with them. They have strong faith to say, that I'm okay with God, God's okay with me, and we can work in this world together. Strong faith. The weak faith people are the religious people of Jesus' day. They were the legalists. These were the ones who didn't understand grace. These are the ones who always had to make rules and enforce the rules so that everybody would agree with them, so that everybody would do things their way, because their faith wasn't weak enough, wasn't strong enough to allow for the adiaphora and the disputable matters. Do you see how this is just opposite of what you would think? Wouldn't you think the religious people would have the strong faith? <laughs> and and the, the others who, who weren't the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders would have the weak faith? But it's just the opposite. Whenever St. Paul talks about weak faith, you watch, and not just in Romans, but all of his epistles, he is always talking about legalists, always talking about the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the religious leaders. Always. It's crazy. And if you think about Jesus' ministry, who were the ones that gave him the most problems? It was the legalists, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Those were the ones that were always trying to confront him. And in fact, when he wanted to get under their skin, when he wanted to teach them a lesson, what did Jesus do? He would exercise his freedom in the gospel, and he would pick grain on the Sabbath when he knew they were watching. Do you think that was an accident? Do you think he had no idea? Oh, there's Pharisees over there. Hide your grain. No way. You know, he seemed to always kind of go out of his way to live in the freedom of the gospel, to contrast it with the weak faith of the legalists, and the religious leaders and Pharisees, all right? So I don't know about you, but that was like a boom, an aha moment for me. That was just the opposite of what I would have thought. So now hearing that, what does St. Paul say? Accept him who is weak in the faith. So who is he asking us to accept? The people who think they know it all. The people who think that their way is the only right way. The people who say that you better think what I think and do what I do and act the way I do and believe the way I do, or there's something wrong with your faith, 
when in actuality it's just the opposite. Is this cool or what? Right? This is a different way to think about how we're going to treat people as we accept one another. Accept those who are weak in the faith, he said, without passing judgment on these disputable matters. Ooh, this is good. Does anybody know anybody like this? Believe as I believe, no more, no less, that I am right and no one else confess. Feel as I feel, think as I think, eat what I eat and drink what I drink. Look only as I look, do always as I do, for then and only then I'll have fellowship with you. <laughs> See, that's a picture of someone who's weak in the faith. This is not someone who's strong in the faith. You might think, well, that's really strong for them to stand up for what they believe. But it's not. Because their belief is passing judgment on others. Their belief is making them out to be better than others. Their faith is weak and hypocritical. Amen? Right? Yes? You better wait. Mark's coming. I'd hate for him to throw it at you. Thank you, Mark. I think... Uh, most of us are a little bit into this. You think? Yes. I mean, when I when I see that feel as I feel, think as I think, I think of myself. I mean, uh, I, when I was growing up being Catholic, when you took the host, you were supposed to not let it touch your teeth, not supposed to chew it, just swallow it. And yet when I sit in the second pew, I see people munching on their... And it drives me insane. <laughs> You know, that's one of those disputable. <laughs> Whether we swallow whole or chew is definitely a disputable matter. <laughs> but it's a great point that he raises. You know, there are certain things that we just, it's hard for us to let go. And I don't know where it comes from, but everybody's got a thing. You know, it's just a hard thing for us to let go. But this is the first warning about how we accept one another. The first warning is don't get caught up in the weak, judgmental, legalistic kind of faith. Uh, um, Jesus struggled more with legalists than anybody else. So let's make sure we're struggling with them too and struggling with ourselves when we get that way. Number one, uh, a way is um, by, not, um, by not labeling. All right, now, next, by not judging. How do we accept one another? By not judging. St. Paul said in verse 3, the man who eats everything must not look down on the one who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the one who does. We probably aren't too judgy around here, are we? Ouch. How is it that we judge others? We make fun of them. Whenever we make fun of someone, we're judging them, aren't we? By putting them down, by ridiculing, by laughing. By snickering and scoffing, I like those words, but spell checker didn't like those words, but I like snickering and scoffing. Secretly feeling superior, saying, thank God I'm not like that person, right? That's judging. You know, that that's, uh, St. Paul says, we will never be able to accept each other if we're busy judging each other. And isn't it a fact that when you're strong in a certain area, you have some freedom or liberation, you have a tendency to look down the person who doesn't. Why do we always judge the people who aren't like us? Then we discount or depreciate their value whenever we do that. It's wrong to judge someone from a position of superiority. 
We will never be able to accept one another if we're busy judging each other. Ouch. Should we talk logs and splinters? You want to? The issue here for St. Paul that he brings up about this judging thing is this diet thing. And you know it's not about nutritional value. St. Paul is not talking about how vegetarians are more healthy than meat eaters. Right? That's not the thing. The question was the meat, if you remember, was sacrificed to idols. And so the question was, can you eat this meat after it had been sacrificed to an idol? Because after it was sacrificed, it would be sold. And that would be the food that the people would bring home for their families. So there are those who would say, listen, it's an idol. It's a stupid chunk of wood. It doesn't mean anything, right? To me, it means nothing. It was a silly ritual with no meat. The meat is still meat. Others would say, nope, because if you do that, you're actually supporting the meat idol industry or whatever, you know? So you shouldn't. So if you see, my point is it's not about nutritional value. It's about this whole sacrifice thing. And so they got so busy judging each other that they couldn't see their own faults. They couldn't see how they were treating each other. They couldn't see how they were, they were judging each other. They couldn't see the example that they were giving to others that nobody wanted to follow. Why? Because they were so busy judging they couldn't see. Shall we just take a look at the genius teaching of Jesus? From Matthew chapter 7. I know you've heard this passage. <clears throat> Matthew 7, 1 to 5. The words of Jesus, and how do we know that? Because it's in red, remember? Do not judge, he said, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there was a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Planks and logs and splinters. Here's this guy. I don't know if you can read the words. He says, here, let me help you take that speck out of your eye. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's smacking the guy in the head with a plank in his own eye. Sounds very silly, doesn't it? But how often have we done it? You know, how often have we criticized or judged or, um, you know, got on somebody else for our perceived... Uh, idea of their misbehavior or something, right? Uh, so we, we need to be careful. We will never be able to accept one another if we're busy judging each other and not taking a good hard look at ourselves. Right? Third, St. Paul says the way we accept people is by not trying to change them. He said in verse 4, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. Do you see what he's saying? Who are you to try and change this person? That's not your job. That's the master's job. That's not your job. That's not your responsibility, right? God is able to make them stand, not me. I am not designated by God to be the changer of every human being. That's not my role. 
And it's a good thing because I have a hard enough time changing myself. Right? You hear me? Right? So we're not, that's not our job. So here's a tip for helping people. Stop nagging. Stop criticizing. Stop being such an old crab. Stop always looking at the bad and for once look at the good. Stop uh, putting down and maybe start building up. Right? Because it's not our job to criticize and change on the non-disputable matters. Remember, this is all couched in this. Essential things we should talk. Essential things we should have conversations. But not of these non-disputable matters. Love. Accept one another. Uh, forgive one another. God is at work in people's lives. You're not. It's not your job to change people. Remember the old days we used to wear these buttons? Remember there used to be buttons back in the day? They'd have all kinds of funny sayings on and cute sayings. You know, pin buttons, not buttons on your shirt. You're all looking at me like I have three heads. Did you not have buttons or was I? The... Sure, we have buttons that we would pin, right? All right. So anyway, here's a button I used to love. It said, please be patient with me. God's not finished with me yet. Right? This is what I need to always remind myself. And I hope that you'll think about me when I'm messing up, when I'm doing things silly. Hope you'll just remember to be patient with me because I'm just a work in progress. You know, I'm a lump of clay that God is continually shaping and I continue to break myself. So he's got to fix me again. You know, so be patient with each other. This is how we accept each other in non-disputable matters. We, we give some patience and let God do the changing, not us. You okay with that? Good God, I'd have to change you. Don't label, don't judge, don't change, said St. Paul. Now, why? That's your whole back page. Why is it this important for us? Let's look at some of these six things. Because we're going to hear God's already accepted them. We're going to hear because it's God's responsibility. We're going to hear because I don't know their motives. Why not label judge or change? Because we're related to one another. He's going to say not judge, change, or label because only Jesus has the right to judge. And finally, because I'm only accountable to myself. So again, don't panic as I erase this. Marty, are you okay if I turn this off? Okay. All right. So now we're going to look at each of these one at a time. First, why should we not judge, label, or, um, or, or anything like that? Because God has already accepted them. Here's how he said it. The man who eats must not look down upon him who does not. And the man who does not eat must not condemn the man who does. Why? For God has already accepted him. So, are you smarter than God? This is not a trick question. No, you are not. No, we are not. So why do we think then, if God has already accepted this person, then why do we think we shouldn't? Do we know more than God? Have we figured this person out better than God has? Do we know what's going on in this person's life and his heart more than God does? Do you see the wisdom here that St. Paul's got for us? You're not smarter than God. So if God has accepted someone, then you should too. So here was a hard thing for me to learn. That God blesses people I disagree with. Sometimes he blesses the socks off of people that I think are way off base. And I just go, really, God? And that's when I have to remind myself, oh yeah, you're smarter than I. There's probably a reason that you're doing this, God, that I can't see. 
There's probably something you're working here right now, God, that I have no clue. There's probably something you're trying to teach me right now, God, that I just really don't want to learn. <laughs> Isn't this the way it works in your head or is this just my damn brain? Right? Some of you have weird brains too, right? See, so it's hard sometimes for us to realize that God could bless someone who's doing things that we don't think are right or doing not things the way we wouldn't want them to do it. But St. Paul says we need to accept these folks in disputable matters. Accept one another in 15.7, St. Paul says, just as Christ has accepted you. See, there's the kicker. Why should we accept someone? Uh, why? Because God already chose us. God's already accepted us. Oh, my word. I and mean, are we blessed and thankful for that? That God thought we were worthy? Do you think he, he says, oh, I'm accepting Dan today because he's got it all figured out. No. He's going to, I'm accepting Dan today because he's my son, my child, and I love him. And now he asks us to do the same to each other, right? To accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. So if God accepts you with your hang-ups, what's the rest of the sentence? We should then accept others with their hang-ups. All right, are you okay with that? Are you? <laughs> Good luck with that one. All right, why must we do these things? Because, listen, it's not my responsibility. It says, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Here where God, St. Paul says, listen, know your place. Understand your place. Understand who you are and who you aren't. It's God's right to judge. And I'm not God. <laughs> as much as I'd like to pretend or wish that I was, right? Uh, God's ways are often not my ways, right? So who am I to judge? That's God's right. That's God's responsibility. And it's, so it's not my responsibility to judge anyone on a non-moral basis. Do you see why I threw non-moral basis in there? Disputable matters, don't judge. If they're starting to mess with saved by grace through faith, then we should talk. If they're starting to mess with the importance of baptism or the Lord's Supper, if they're starting to mess with the calling we have to make disciples of all nations, then we should talk. But if it's non-disputable matters, don't judge. Next, why? Why? Because I don't know their motives. St. Paul said, one man considers one day more sacred than the other. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Now, here's the point of this little section. He who regards one day as special, why does he do it that way? He does so to the Lord. And he who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. You see, what matters here, this is the point. Can you see it's the motive that counts? here in this section. It's the motive. It's the reason that they do these things that matters, not the thing itself, not the disputable matter itself. So the person who doesn't eat meat does it to give glory to God. The person who does eat meat does it to give glory to God. Who's wrong? Neither of them, because their motive is right. Their heart is right, right? It's a non-disputable matter where there's freedom. As long as the motive is right, either action is right. 
If it's an essential thing, that's a different thing, right? Have I said that enough? But in non-disputable matters, right, we have some leeway there. It's the motive that matters. And so this is his point. You don't know people's motives. You don't know what's in their heart. You don't know if they're doing it for the right reason or the wrong reason. So you can't judge that, can you? You can't not accept someone because you don't know what's in their heart. You don't know their motives. So in Christian love, in the body of Christ, we look for the best and we trust that the motives are good and right. This is just the way we work. We accept one another. And then on top of that, we all have what my family calls backpacks. We do this a lot in our house. Someone has a bad day and this person was mean and ugly and nasty and I just hate them. Kelly and I used to say this to our girls all the time. Stop. Take a breath. Because you do not know what happened in their home, in their home that morning before school. You don't know what's going on in their house. You don't know what's going on in their heart or their mind. You don't know the junk that they're carrying around, the hurt or the pain or the abuse or the fear that they're carrying around in their backpack, and you just happen to be in the way as they dumped it on you. See, this is we don't know where people are coming from. We all have these backpacks full of junk, don't we? And so it's real easy to look at a word and not see the backpack. St. Paul is saying, stop. You don't know their motives. So accept one another. Work for the best in one another, you know, so that we can work together and unpack those backpacks together. Does that make sense, everybody? Right? Uh, it's just a good way to live if you see people's backpacks. It just lets you take a breath and understand where they're coming from a little bit. All right. Why? He said, because we're related to each other. <laughs> why do we not judge? Uh, why do we not label? Why do we not try and change? Well, because we're all related. He said, none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself alone. We have this relationship. We're all baptized into the body of Christ and therefore we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. I love that. Uh, I just love being a part of the church. Uh, I just love that you and I can gather together and do life I love that we can laugh together. I love that we can cry together. I love that I can be open and honest and vulnerable with you and, and you'll hold me accountable, but you'll still love me and pray for me. You know, I hope you feel that here, right? I hope you feel that you are part of something that's bigger than just you when you come to church, when you come to Bible study, that you've been baptized into the family of Christ. We don't die alone. We don't live alone. We do it together said St. Paul. So we need to accept one another just because we're in this thing together. All believers are interconnected in the body. So what I do affects you and what you do affects me. I mean, it should be that way anyway, right? That we care about one another. So what you do affects me, what I do affects you. And so if you think about that, if that's true, if I judge you, I'm essentially judging myself. You get it? You know? So he says, come on, accept one another because we're all brothers and sisters in this game of life waiting for the day when he comes and takes us to home where they're willing to have to worry about accepting because it's going to be this giant love fest, right? This giant party in heaven. So we're related to one another. That's why we don't judge, label, or try and change each other. Uh, why? Because he said only Jesus has the right to judge. He said, if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died 
and return to life so that he might be both the Lord of the living and the dead. Hmm. Right? See, Jesus is the one who is the judge, not us. This is why at Faith Lutheran Church, we don't expect unbelievers to act like believers until they are believers. Do you know what I mean by that? That this is a place where broken, messed up people come. You don't have to have it all figured out before you can come here. You don't have to have it all together before you can come here. You don't have to have it all figured out before you can be a part of the body of Christ called Faith Lutheran Church. No, <laughs> we don't judge like that here because we're not the judge. We realize we are all in this boat together, right? Are we, everyone? Right? Rowing together in this broken world that we're in. So we don't expect unbelievers to act like believers until they are. So you'll never hear us say, don't come to Faith Lutheran Church until you have certain areas of your life cleaned up. That's just not the way we roll here. Right? It's just not, and I don't think that's what the church should be. Right? That, so here's this phrase, maybe you've heard it before, that our church is a hospital for sinners, not a hotel for saints. Isn't that what it should be? Right? It's a hospital for sinners. Here's where sick people come to get healing. Here's where sinners come to be forgiven. Right? Here's where broken people come to be redeemed and restored and repurposed for value in the world and the kingdom. Do you see this? That's this great place called Faith Lutheran Church. A hospital for sinners, not a hotel for saints. It just isn't. God never says this. Clean up your life, then come give it to me. It's just the opposite. He says, come to me and I'll give you the power to clean up your life. Do you see how, he, how God works? Right? We don't come with it all figured out. We come with nothing. <laughs> we come broken and God says, that's good. Come, now let me clean you up. It's never the other way around. Right? So only Jesus judges. So we dare not judge. We dare not separate. We dare not exclude. We need to welcome, include all. We accept everybody. Everybody good so far? All right. Why? Because I'm only accountable for myself. How did St. Paul put it? You then, how do you judge your brother? Or why do you look upon your look down upon your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. As it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. So there is going to be a day of accounting, isn't it? And when that day comes, who are you responsible for? Wives, please do not say your husbands. It's a lost cause. That's not going to, yeah, right. That's not going to help. Who are you responsible for? Your children? Is that who you're going to be accountable? No, you are accountable for yourself. Right? That's what counts. That's what matters. You're only accountable to you when it comes to judgment day. Right? That's all that matters. How did you live your life? Um, and uh, we should look at John 21. Beautiful words. Where Jesus had to straighten out Peter. And as always, in the process, straightens out you and me. This is after the resurrection. Peter had denied him three times. Jesus shows up on the shore. They have breakfast together. Jesus pulls them, Peter aside and says, Simon, do you love me? How many times? 
once, twice, three times, right? One time he asks for each time he denies him. But then there are these words. I'm starting with verse 18 of John 21. He said, I tell you the truth, Peter. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And in these words, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. So how would you like that conversation? Right? So Jesus puts Peter to the test. Do you love me? And he says, yes. Do you love me? He says, yes. Do you love me? He says, yes, three times. And then Jesus says, well, good, because you're going to be crucified. Now follow me. <laughs> so he didn't let him get away with the words this time. He said, you're going to follow me, and here's what it's going to lead to, crucifixion. So what's Peter's response to this? It's precious. It's so Peter. Look at what he said. He turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, who we know as whom? John. He sees John over there munching on some fish from breakfast, laughing and having a good old time with all the other disciples. And he says, um, he says, Lord, who is, uh, look, he said in verse 21, Lord, what about him? So you see what he's doing here. Peter's like, yeah, I'm going to be crucified. Okay, but what about him? How come I'm the only one? <laughs> what about him? Isn't he accountable? Don't we have to hold him accountable too? And what's Jesus answered? It's precious. Jesus said, if I want him to remain alive till I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. In other words, what does Jesus say? Mind your own business. How about you just do what you said you were going to do and follow me? How about you just do what you said you were going to do and go all the way to the cross for me? Right? Just take care of yourself. You're accountable to you. Don't worry about him. Good lesson for us Christians. Because so often we want to get on our high horse and we want to say, all right, um, what about that person? You know, that person needs a little long. <laughs> that person needs the pastor to go visit that dude. I'm telling you, he needs a conversation right there. Right? You know, and what do we do when we do that? We're sloughing off our own responsibility. We're sloughing off our own accountability. See, so we have to remember that we have to accept one another because it's not our job to judge or hold someone else accountable. We have our hands full with ourselves. Amen? All right. So conclusion is verse, beautiful verse 13. Therefore, see, you know that's a conclusion word, right? Therefore. In fact, we, I was thinking we should have our end of the year party called the therefore party. That's what we should call it, the therefore party. In conclusion, let's party. <laughs> therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Listen, if you win the argument but lose your brother, is it worth it? If you get your sister to agree with you, but then she never wants to be in the church or be around you again, have you won? No, you've lost. You've lost. So don't put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother or sister's way, especially if it's one of these disputable matters, especially if it's an adiaphora. Right? Don't get caught in that. Don't do it, he says. So, question, how are you going to relate to believers who disagree with you? I hope today's lesson gave you a little something to think about. Because I got a hunch 
there's someone in your life that you're thinking about right now. <laughs> there's that person, you know, who is just disagreeable, who you always seem to be at odds with. How are you going to treat them now that you've been through this lesson? Marty? Mark, do you want a micer? So I'm hoping as Mark's marching over there, um, that this will give you some time to think about that person, or maybe it's a disagreement you're in with someone right now. Marty's over here. She's not in your usual spot. I know it messes you up. Thank you. When we talked about, well, the whole thing tonight, it's like very basic. And we all know this stuff. You know, that that's, we go to classes in school, they, they taught us this stuff. Unfortunately, we forgot it. <laughs> and, you know, I'm wondering, like, we're going to go upstairs tonight. We're going to say, yeah, this is really, really great. And I'm going to remember these things and I'm going to use them in my life. And as soon as we get out to the street, we forgot what number three was. And I don't, that, that, that bothers me because it, it's it's common sense that we should be able to do it, except you put that spin of God on it, you know, which <laughs> makes it more rememberable. Yeah, Marty, you're right. It's hard. And this is why you just go to church once a year. This is why you don't just study the Bible once a year. Like you need to do it over and over and over and over again because we need it over and over and over right. and over again because we keep forgetting but the thing that that really bothered me is, you know, you said we got to uh, be accountable before God. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to say, okay, I, I went out too late last Tuesday night. I, how, what, what are we accountable to God? You know, I pray every day and I ask for forgiveness. Sure. So when I get there, so here's what we're accountable to God for, how we lived our lives. Here's what we're not accountable to God for, our salvation. Do you see the difference? We're not accountable for our salvation. That's been taken care of and that is done. Heaven is our home. But we are accountable for how we lived our lives, what we did with the time and the gifts that God has given us. You know, he doesn't say it doesn't matter what you did. He does, he's just not like, I don't care how you lived. He does care. It does matter. He wants us to, to be good stewards of the gifts and the world that we have. So we're accountable to that. But that does not change our salvation or our status with him or how much he loves us or some special place we get in heaven. Like all the good people get to go to Lambeau Field and all the bad people have to stay by Soldier Field. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. You know, that's, that's not it. Um, she asked if I think we're going to be right in front of God. I do. Well, no, it's not scary because you know, he loves you. Why are you scared? He's not going to, he's not going to go, Marty, you are a bad, bad girl. That's not what he's going to say. He's going to say, welcome home, child. Come and receive the place I've prepared for you. Check out this. It's all yours. Come on and celebrate and rejoice. We're having a therefore party because you made it through Romans. You know, that's, it's, don't be afraid. Oh my gosh. So we, our, our salvation, we're not accountable. Jesus was accountable for that. But how we lived our lives, we are accountable. Yep. 
He's coming. Pastor Dan, this is one of the best classes. Oh, good. Because I can see so much of myself in there. You know, Jenny has, well, there's many times I'm going down the road and I see someone and I said, Jenny, if I ever look like that or do that, just shoot me. <laughs> she can bear <laughs> confirm that. So this is really good. It's fantastic. Yeah, Thank you, got, you. You got a good look at yourself today, didn't you? But so did we all. That's that's what the Word of God does. It makes us take a hard look at ourselves. Yep. Thanks for being honest. But you know, it's hard to explain to somebody who, who's got a door shut and he won't listen to what you have to say. When you try to explain to them and he, that he's got one tunnel vision and that's it yeah i told you we're not talking about our husband so i know i know i know um yeah so what do you do in that case you just keep loving you just keep doing what's right remember you don't have to change that's not your job don't judge don't criticize don't don't worry about changing just do what's right and let god work and he'll work. Uh, my question is this. So, right, the whole concept of not judging other believers, not even judging unbelievers. I'm not going to use the word judge. I'm asking you to help me with the word. So let's say there are someone that commits a murder, and I've just read about it. See, now that's an essential. That's no, not a non-disputable. Okay. So you have the right there in that case to speak okay. clearly about right and wrong. Okay. That was good. That right. wasn't good. That was right. bad. That was evil. Mm -hmm. That's okay in the okay. essential matters. Okay. Right? See yes. the difference? Yes. But the non-disputable matters and the adiaphora, that's what this is all about. There we accept and we don't judge. Thanks for helping us clear that up. All right. So what are you going to do with that person? So remember, where the Bible is clear, we need to be clear. This is just what we were talking about. But there's also a lot of personal preference. And so let it be personal. Let people disagree agreeably with one another. So we must agree on everything. We, to think we must agree on everything is just unrealistic, isn't it? So in the essentials, we have unity. In the non-essentials, we have liberty. But in all things, may we have charity. That was Philip Melanchthon in the Reformation as he was talking about the differences that were happening in the discussions and the debates uh, that led to the separation there. Uh, but anyway, I thought that's just, that isn't that a great sentence, right? That should be our goal in this whole discussion. In the essentials, we have unity. We, there's no disagreement. In the non-essentials, there's liberty and freedom. But in all things, may we have charity. If we could follow that, we would follow Romans 14 to the T, wouldn't we? Right? All right, so next week... Uh, this week we learned how to accept one another. Next week, St. Paul takes it one step further to teach us how to actively build up each other. What we're going to learn is not just good enough to say, all right, I accept you, and then turn and walk away. But you need to say, all right, I accept you. Now, how can I help you? Ouch. How can I be a part of your life? <laughs> Even though I'm disagreeing with you right now, how can I love you? How can I build you up? 
and build up the body of Christ. So that's what we'll chat about. And then, of course, don't forget to put May 30th on your calendar for our 6 o'clock potluck. Yes? There you go. All right, blessings, everybody. Have a great rest of the day as I accept you fully in Christ. Take care.